3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Welcome to Tuesday Breakfast. Good morning. Um, guess who's back? Back again. Oh, is this because I'm white? Shady's back. No, no. <laughs> hey, I can. You, you guys all don't look alike. Trust me, I can tell. Oh, you. Oh Shade. I, I love that. That's how you start the morning. With, it is. Um, sip that banter. Tea. It is good to be back. Uh, Tuesday, the thirteenth of March. Mm-hmm. Seven a.m. Yes. And this is the wrong weather. This is saying 14 degrees. That's not true. It is cold. Oh, no, mm. it is 14, apparently. And oh, raining. wow. Finally, computer. It's so funny because our correct. weather thingy is stuck on 14 degrees. It has been for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, yes, finally, look at that. Mm-hmm. Stars are aligning. What can <laughs> we say? And George just stepped into the room. Oh, I better put your mic on, honey. There we go. Good morning. Yeah, we'll just I'm pretty glad it's coming into winter, mm. to be honest. I'm I'm so happy. George is not. You're giving me the face. Our Tuesdays are going to be pretty grim from now on, though. That's one negative. Yeah. Oh, I that's know. so wow. depressing. George. Okay, what have we got on the show today? You just then? walked in. Sorry. So yes. Bad. Thank you for bringing the energy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is going to be. It's going to be about 21 degrees today, I think. Yeah. We're in a turtleneck, so. Mm. Yeah. So snuggly. <laughs> So, um, shortly we will be interviewing Alison Thorne from the Indigenous Social Justice Association about um, community control of policing mm. following massive revelations about corruption in internal investigation. Um, what else are we talking about, ladies? I'm going to be speaking with Caroline Phillips, who is the director of the Women's Art Register. Uh, so they're like an art collective... Um, a trans and non-binary inclusive art collective that have a, a big collection of artwork and artists and they do education events and really interesting stuff. So I'm really excited awesome. to talk to her about what kind of projects they've been doing. Very cool. Mm. And I think we're going to hear from a few um, well-known, powerful yeah. women who yeah. we love. We're having a bit of a worship day. Yes, we are. Mm. So um, the person that I've chosen is Janet Mock. And Janet Mock is someone who I feel like will be perfect for today's show because today we are going to get into um, turf and um, mm. what's what does turf mean again? Uh, trans exclusionary radical feminism. Yeah, and why it's important to support our trans sisters and um, a very recognisable um, writer and I guess just all around amazing person. And she's also trans, is Janet Mock. Uh, so we will be playing a two-minute um, audio from her Melbourne Writers Festival talk that George and I both went to. Mm, it was so good. But we didn't know each other then. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> I just, I love it. Anywho, so we'll be playing that. And then I th- uh, Lauren's chosen um, yeah, clip a, as well. Yeah, a clip from Mona El-Tawi, mm. a, um an Egyptian feminist writer 
um, trans feminist as George. Trans- has, is it transnational? I, I think, don't know. Yeah, I think it's transnational feminism. Okay. So. No, that's okay. Um, Mona is the author of a book called Headscarves and Hymens, and she writes about <laughs> um, feminism and sexuality and yes. Islam. Um, she's, she's incredible. Yeah. She's, yeah. I saw she did a little... Um, you know, Al Jazeera has this, they have like a, a panel program, mm-hmm. um, and they did one on the, on the Me Too movement from international activists and mm. writers, and she was on it, and it was just incredible. Well, she started the Mosque Me Too movement, which is Muslim women talking about mm. um, times that they had experienced sexual harassment or potentially sexual violence mm. within a mosque or prayer setting, um, and she wanted to try and get rid of the shame around that yeah. for her um yeah, she experienced some awful things on the Hajj as well that she talks about. So, mm, yeah. um, stay tuned. We will be back soon. We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio T-shirts, and so do we. They're a bargain at twenty dollars for adults and fifteen dollars for kids, and come in black, white, grey, and a cool light blue. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 94198377. Or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. You're back on 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. Um, and on the line, we have Alison Thorne. Um, yes, so um, shall I introduce her? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. Okay, so just in a bit of a lead-up to the interview, um, for context, last week, Victoria Police's Assistant Commissioner, Brett Guerin, resigned after being linked to a series of racist and sexist comments posted on social media. We won't be repeating the comments here, but suffice to say they're extremely offensive. Um, prior to tendering his resignation, Guerin was also the head of Victoria Police's Ethical Standards Division. Um, and the ABC has reported that in May last year, a Facebook group called the Community Advocacy Alliance wrote to Vic Pohl and alleged that Guerin was using a pseudonym to make offensive remarks on social media pages, including screenshots of the statements. Mm-hmm. This was referred to IBAC, who found that these allegations did not warrant investigation. So, understandably, these revelations and the subsequent resignation have enraged a lot of people, but have also left a lot of people pretty unsurprised. Mm. Um, and so to discuss this and what, what should happen next, we are joined by Alison Thorne now from the Indigenous Social Justice Association, Melbourne. Um, Alison is a founding member of the ISJA and represents the Freedom Socialist Party in the campaign against racism and fascism. Thank you for joining us, Alison. Good morning. So um, maybe you could start by just giving us a little bit of background about the ISJA before we get into it. Sure. The Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne formed in 2004, late 2004, in the lead-up to the first anniversary of the death of young TJ Hickey in Redfern. Uh, TJ's family were calling for a National Day of Action and a group came together to organise a a Melbourne action. But we um, did a little bit of consulting with people in the uh, Victorian Aboriginal community to get people on board and um, see what kind of support there was. 
um, we got a very, very clear message, and that clear message was, please, guests in custody have been going on for, for decades and decades. We're not interested in just a one-off action. You need to keep going, keep organising, keep campaigning, keep exposing until Aboriginal deaths in custody are, are stopped. And um, we made a, a commitment to do that and uh, unfortunately um, is just not out of business yet because the, the deaths in custody continue. Mm. And is that um, related to why the Indigenous Social Justice Association has publicly countered Graham Ashton, the police commissioner's statement, um, who said that Gyron was an outlier and a bad apple within the police force, um, but you're saying that that's not the case. Why is that? Well, um, from our perspective, what we're actually dealing with is uh, institutionalised racism we're dealing with a problem that is absolutely systemic because there is uh, massive racial profiling that goes on, racial profiling of First Nations communities, racial profiling of African-Australian immigrant and refugee communities. And um, as a result of that, um, these groups get way too much um, police attention and are overrepresented in our prison system. If we go back to the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody, one of its key findings was the reason um, why Aboriginal Deaths in Custody was so high is because Aboriginal people are massively overrepresented in the, the prison system. And um, we end up with the, the staggering fact that Aboriginal Australians are, in fact, the most incarcerated people on earth. Mm. Yeah, and that it seems to extend from that, um, from the deaths in custody level, also right down to making um, initial complaints about police. And it seems that those two are ignored and they're... Or, you know, Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service and Flemington Kensington CLC found that these complaints are rarely substantiated and are mostly ignored and that sort of thing. And it seems to feed into what you're saying of just this system that, um, yeah, the racial profiling sort of infiltrates the entire system. Like, absolutely. We're dealing with um, really, really um, systemic issues. And um, when these things come out, the, the answer always seems to be with top cops saying oh, you know, like we're shocked, we're just dealing with one um, single um, rotten person. And uh, this is really um, not the case. What we're um, dealing with is institutional problems and that when police investigate police, um, these very same bodies are alibi the police. There are massive um, cultural issues and um, also the very um, role of the police um, is to uphold the status quo, to uphold um, private property rights, um, to, uh, to, to stand against um, 
those who are wanting to counter protest the system. Mm-hmm. And um, this is why ISJA thinks it is critically important that um, police no longer um, investigate police. It was police investigating police um, that uh, alibied the death in custody of Mulrinji Dumaji on Palm Island. It was police investigating um, police who uh, tampered with evidence uh, in relation to the death in custody of TJ Hickey. And so um, one of the things that ISJA uh, wants to focus on is putting demands uh, that are positive solutions, that are things that we can be calling for in the here and now. And we have long advocated the idea not just of independent bodies. We have to go beyond independent bodies. We need bodies that are actually directly accountable to the communities who are suffering um, at the hands uh, of racialised um, policing, at the hands of politicised policing. We interesting uh, idea. advocate. We advocate. Mm, sorry, sorry I we, to... we advocate an idea. We advocate an idea that was uh, one um, developed by the civil rights movement in the US, and this is an idea of elected civilian review boards to control the police, and these bodies need to be directly elected by communities, they need to be accountable to communities, they need to be well-resourced and they need to have powers to be able to discipline um, the police. And so when um, when that has been proposed in the past, as you just mentioned, the civil rights movement, has that come to fruition? Is it something that we've seen examples of um, operating in communities? Uh, it's, um, it's interesting. There is uh, a very, very um, lively campaign that is happening uh, in New York at the moment uh, where there's a groundswell of support for the idea of um, civilian review boards and community control of the police. There's been uh, legislation drafted there. In terms of bodies that are actually um, set up, in um, Ireland, there are um, similar um, kinds of bodies, um, but we would like to see these bodies be well-resourced, well-funded, have real powers mm. and be answerable to communities. Mm. And this is necessary because we see um, uh, police um, abuse um, happening over and over. We see these institutional problems and um, it's very like very very interesting that uh, this professional standards command that was headed up by Garin um, complaints have just been dismissed 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 and um, a really interesting one that was taken by the Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre was a complaint by a man um, who was capsicum sprayed by the police while counter-protesting against um, 
the far-right group Reclaim Australia in 2015. Mm. That complaint um, was dismissed. And yet, at that very same time, shocking pictures came out um, showing police giving um, far-right and neo-Nazi protesters a high-five. And this is a classic example of the sort of thing that we're dealing with. When people lodge complaints, they're dismissed. And um, it got to the point where an investigation in 2009 called the Koori Complaints Project, what they found was that um, Aboriginal people now believe it's futile to make a complaint um, against the police. And when complaints go to bodies like the Professional Standards Command, headed by um, such an obvious... um, racist, sexist and homophobe, as the Gurin revelations have exposed, um, things have got to change and that's what Isdra is advocating. Fantastic. Well, um, we look forward to following this closely um, and if people want more information, they can head to your website, which I will just bring up, is um, isjamelbourne.com. Uh, thank you so much, Alison, for joining us. And people are, oh. people are very welcome to get involved with ISJA. We meet on the first Thursday of every month. Oh, fantastic. All right. Thanks so much, Alison. And that was Alison Thorne from the Indigenous Social Justice Association of Melbourne. And now we are going to hear what, my dear? I'm going to play a track that I heard on the radio last week. Um, Sister Zai is on The Breakfast Shows uh, at PBS, and I listen to yes. her on the way uh, mm. here every Tuesday. And she used to also do um, Hip Hop Sister here mm. at 3 mm. on Sundays. She's incredible. She plays the best music. Every time I'm like on the way here, I have to like stop and write down songs <laughs> or look them up later. <laughs> because she, first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> In case mum's listening, <laughs> I don't <laughs> write things while I'm driving. Um, so this track I heard last week, it's from a Zimbabwean Afro-jazz artist called Dudu Manhenga, and this song is called Wilanga. And now we're going to launch into some news headlines. Uh, you're listening to Tuesday Breakfast at 3CR. On this cold, dreary mm. Tuesday, the 13th of March. <laughs> I'm enjoying the cold and dreary. I say that with no shade to the weather. So cute. It's cute back. Dreary. I love it. Good work. Mm. What you got, Georgie? Okay, so the Victorian state government is calling for the biggest increase to the minimum wage since 2010. The Age has reported that in a submission to the Fair Work Commission's annual wage review, the Andrews government will attempt to increase the wage from $18.29 to $19 an hour. Wow. So that's a whole um, 71 cents. Okay, big ball. Hey, look at that. <laughs> Don't knock us. <laughs> Ow, I love it. Who's to say they don't care about the people? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, The Chinese Congress has passed a constitutional amendment removing presidential term limits, allowing China's President Xi Jinping to rule indefinitely. And, like, interestingly, so when I was there, it was really interesting seeing all of the ways that... um, different presidents in the past and different rulers had like written their cultural um, and spiritual beliefs into their country's constitution and ruling. And there's also um, been some like side stuff passed. I don't exactly know how their parliamentary system works, but Mm. um, that basically says that Xi Jinping's cultural um, beliefs can also now 
be solidified into the ruling of China, really? which is um, it hasn't been done since Mao Zedong. So wow. I think this is also really interesting. It's it's not just a solidification of power, but yep. of, yeah. So watch this space. I'm yeah. interested to see what happens. Yeah, that mm. is really interesting. Mm. Airstrikes launched by government forces continue in the rebel-held enclave in eastern Ghouta in Syria. According to the Syrian Observatory, since this latest government offensive, which began on February the 18th, over 1,000 civilians have been killed and over 4,000 people wounded. Mm. It is estimated by the UN that 400,000 civilians are trapped in eastern Ghouta. Volunteer rescue group, the Syrian Civil Defense, also known as the White Helmets, have accused the Syrian government of twice using chemical attacks in the region. Mm. In addition, the Turkish military has launched a cross-border operation which began on January 20th to eliminate the Kurdish militia known as the People's Protection Units, or YPG, backed by the U.S., the Turkish soldiers and the allied Free Syrian Army are on the outskirts of the city of Afrin, and Al Jazeera has reported that people in the city are planning to act as human shields in an effort to protect the Kurdish-controlled city. Um, Laura Tingle has reported in the Australian Financial Review that the TPP-11, so the new TPP agreement after the US pulled out, was So the signed. Trans-Pacific Partnership? Ah, yes. Yeah. Thank you for pointing I that out. I was like, what is it, TPP? I know, I'm sorry, I get some in my head. Trans-Pacific Partnership, which is an um, international trade deal, mm. um, was signed in Chile last week. And... Um, the TPP kind of died in the water and it was very controversial, but now it looks like it's going ahead. And the federal government, the Australian federal government, has stated um, that it expects that the Australian economy will benefit significantly from this agreement, which gets rid of 98% of tariffs between signatory countries. Um, Labor has historically been critical of the TPP, but Tingle is reporting that Penny Wong has indicated her party's support for the New Deal for both economic and regional relationship building reasons. Uh, Federal Parliament will vote on this in the coming weeks. Um, And Mm. just quickly, in an immigration update, um, a coalition of police officers, border force officials and Serco guards reportedly conducted early morning raids on a Queensland-based refugee family of four last Monday, March 5th. Um, According to a statement from the Tamil Refugee Council, former Sri Lankan refugee Priya Um, Her husband and their two Australian-born children were given 10 minutes to pack before being removed from their home at around 5 a.m., being flown to Melbourne and being detained in the Broadmeadows Detention Centre known as MITRE. Mm. Um, Priya's bridging visa had it been expired for one day when this occurred. Um, And finally, Abdul Aziz Adem, who is a refugee on Manus Island, um, being who was placed there by Australian Border Force, mm. reports on his Twitter account that last week in early morning raids, a joint team of Papua New Guinean police and Australian guards, including allegedly employees from Australian Immigration and Border Force, stormed a camp and arrested four Bengali refugees. Aziz Adem reports that they will be deported back to danger in Bangladesh and says that nine Bengalis have already been sent back from Manus. Um, and just a side note, for context, Human Rights Watch have reported repeatedly that Bengali law enforcement authorities frequently illegally detain people and extra, extrajudicially punish them. So, um, what's scary? God, that's so yeah. traumatizing. The damage that they're doing to the family. My goodness, how, how scary is someone coming in mm. at night when you're like already you're asleep and you have no idea what's going on and you know how it t- takes you a while to recover and yeah, and then you're just being snatched out of your home out of your community mm. it's such a like i can't help but compare it to um and like nazi germany yeah, i know people yes. are going to be like oh that's so controversial it the same tactics of like 
um, they like wouldn't let the people travel in the ha- in the cars yeah. together. The kids were terrified. Like mm. you're right, and it's state sanctioned as well. So yes, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah, it's it's terrible. Um, mm. Yeah, isn't that different? Hey, yeah. Mm. Mm. Can I go to a song? You may, of yeah, course. Please. Uh, this is uh, I'm going to play a tune from the artist Grace Barbe, who I believe is playing at the Brunswick Music Festival, which is on right now, and there are lots of great artists that have gigs on this week. Mm. She hails from, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, you, some, one of you might be able to correct me, um, from an, an Indian ocean island called Seychelles. Seychelles? Seychelles, yeah. Okay, <laughs> thank you. We're all learning here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, um, so, and this song, so she is... Um, so she fuses tropical rhythms and dances uh, with psychedelic rock, Afrobeat, reggae, and pop. And this track is called Afro Sega. Uh, the incredible Grace Barbe. If you liked what you just heard, she is playing this Saturday at 11:30 p.m. at Howler as part of the Brunswick Music Festival. And I've been learning a lot uh, this morning. So she's from Seychelles. Is that correct? Yes. We're going to go to an interview now. I've got Caroline Phillips on the line, who is the secretary of the Women's Art Register. Hi, Karen. Caroline, sorry. Hi, George. How are you going? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Good, thanks. So can you tell us and our listeners a little bit about what the Women's Art Register is? Yeah, sure. Um, it's actually um, a very unique archive of Australian women's art practice. It's been going since 1975 and we hold the documentation of works of art by Australian artists. So we have slides, um, some photographs, we have 3,000 artist files, we have about 8,000 digital images and we have books and catalogues and lots of other material um, about Australian women artists and the collection goes back over 100 years so um, there's, there's a whole range of art practices and styles and mediums that you can come and look at. Yeah. Oh wow, that's huge. And is it, is it because, it is. I guess, you know, history is so important and remembering um, people's works and, and did it come out of a need because there wasn't an acknowledgement of women's art? Yes, yeah, so what happened was um, back in 1975, which was International Women's Year, there were obviously a lot of movements all around the world relating to women and um, in particular in Melbourne there was um, a lot of activities happening at the George Payton Gallery at Melbourne University and at that time a, a bunch of women got together and decided that they needed to um, start collecting documentation of women's art because At that time, and and still to a large extent, a lot of women artists aren't recorded. They're in in the history books. Um, They're not necessarily taught at university courses and, you know, secondary school. And they're not represented nearly enough in exhibitions and galleries and museums. So um, there were some very important people, Meredith Rogers, Leslie Dumbrell, um, Kiffy Rubo, Erica McGilchrist, lots of amazing women um, 
got together and um, started this archive and it's just grown and grown from, from strength to strength since then. And um, also, importantly, the, the Women's Art Register is a, is a community as well. It's not just a, a physical archive. It's a, a, a thriving group of women artists and we do lots of things like exhibitions and the Wikipedia events and we do forums and all kinds of things. So we also have a support network and an information network for for women artists and for researchers to find out about Australian women's art. So does that mean that anyone can come and access the archives? Is it publicly available? That's right, yes. So um, we've been very fortunate that um, the City of Yarra has supported us for many years. So we're located in the, the basement of the Richmond Library and we have duplicate sets of the artist files that are in the library upstairs. So anyone can go in any time during library hours and have a look at those files. But if you want to come and have a look at all the other materials I mentioned, like the slides and the books and um, some original posters and photographs, that kind of thing, then all you have to do is just make an appointment and we've got loads of volunteers in our committee and we'll meet you and, and um, you can access the collection downstairs. So most often we get queries from artists who want to do some projects or some research, from curators who are putting together a show, from the general public. Someone might ring and say, oh, my great aunt was an artist, you know, can you tell me hmm. anything about her work or do you have a file on her? And so we try and answer all those questions and if we don't know the answer, we try and refer people to where they can find out what they need. Mm. And all of that is a free service, like it's run by volunteers. It's a totally artist-run um, organisation. It's, um, you know, a grassroots level thing that um, has remained independent. So uh, apart from being located in the library, we're not tied to any institution as such, like a university or, or a museum. So we're very independent. We can, um, you know, be flexible and, and respond to what's out there and what people need. And can you tell us a bit about some of your previous projects, uh, such as the Wikipedia Editathon and Conspicuous Presence? Yeah, so we just um, completed a project just on the weekend, actually. Um, we were very happy to be invited by Trocadero Art Space in Footscray um, to take part in their guest curator program. And they've been doing that for three years now, and they normally do that around International Women's Day. So they invited the Women's Art Register to curate a show, which was called Conspicuous Presence. And um, firstly, that show was um, all women artists of colour. So we decided to, um, you know, hand over that platform for to get some um, contemporary women artists of colour to have a, um, a space to show their work and for us to widen our, our community and find out about some amazing new artists and some other kinds of feminisms and some other kinds of ideas in their work. But um, also as part of that program we had an exhibition of archival material and we held a Wikipedia editathon uh, for International Women's Day. So um, I don't know if you know much about the editathons or um, basically it's, it's a movement that started in, in America. This particular group is called Art and Feminism editathon so specifically about artists and um, actually quite literally writing women artists onto Wikipedia 
because at the moment it's it's less than 10% of the content of Wikipedia oh, wow. is um, about women and written by women, so it's really very low yeah. um, representation. And so groups get together all around the world and usually around International Women's Day and we learn how to edit Wikipedia and to start pages about women artists and to um, increase the information available online. Um, so we see it as kind of an extension of what the, the register does because it's documenting these these women's work. And these days, you know, most people go straight to the internet first to look for information and we want to highlight um, particularly Australian women artists and there are many, many hundreds if not thousands that are not represented on Wikipedia, so we're slowly trying to, to do that, yeah. And there's other groups around Australia that are also holding um, art and feminism editor funds over the last week or so. I think there's some in Queensland and in New South Wales that I know of, yeah. So it's an ongoing project, is it? It sure is, mm. yeah. So we want to do some more of those. Um, because we're located in at the Richmond Library, as I mentioned, um, we plan to hold some more events upstairs in the library which will be open to everyone and we can open our filing cabinets there and we can you know get all the information on the artists we have and and put them mm. down onto wikipedia it's such mm. a great so, resource yeah, yeah it's really good yeah um uh, this is a bit of a broad question um sure. but i'm just wondering what what do you think are the big issues relating to feminism and contemporary art and perhaps in terms of inclusion and representation yeah yeah, well, um, I think the main thing that, that has emerged is that, as I said before, there's there's no one particular feminism. There's multi multiple definitions of, of that and multiple practitioners mm -hmm. of feminism. So um, we want to be inclusive and as open as possible and not pin down any particular definitions. Um, we want to um, basically try and make a, a platform that anyone who identifies as a woman artist can can put their hand up and, and say so and they can deposit their work. So there's a huge range of issues that have have really been present, I guess, since the 70s. So it's issues about identity and um, social culture and activism, politics, um, but particularly the last decade or so, I suppose it's more and more about intersectional politics and um, different... Um, Issues about globalisation still present and, um, like you say, inclusion is um, a really big part of that. And do you think that the art world is sort of uh, particularly a kind of place that can um, sort of advance a lot of political issues in regard to um, gender, gender issues? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think so because... Um, you know, we're not necessarily tied down to one format. Artists are, are creative people and often independent and flexible and come from, come out of all different areas of, of interest and study and background. So, yeah, from my point of view, I think art can actually be, be a vehicle for, um, affecting people's thinking and, and actions. Um, particularly again, the last decade or so, there's a lot of, of a um, resurgence of, of social practice and activism in art and groups that do things like um, craftivism and mm. public interventions and they use art in a way that can be um, pr 
such non-threatening and inclusive but also can genuinely engage with people through either materials or different actions that they do. Yeah. Mm, and it sounds like the Women's Art Register kind of, um, it, it crosses over those two fields in terms of uh, like a bit of activist work through your projects and, mm. and art as well. Um, can you tell us what projects yeah. you've got coming up? Sure, yeah. Well, um, the next thing is actually in a couple of weeks um, with the uh, exhibition that's on at ACCA at the moment, The Unfinished Business, which is a, a huge exhibition specifically on, on feminist art. Uh, we're doing a roundtable event. Um, the roundtable is a, a public space within the gallery itself where they've invited artists and groups to to take up that space and to hold meetings or talks or discussions. So we've got an event on Sunday the 25th of March at 1 o'clock and we're calling that War Stories because we think there is a lot of unfinished business regarding the Women's Art Register and um, where we're placed within Australian feminism and, and history and so we're going to talk about that. So that's open to members and the general public to just just come along. You can register on the website with ACCA or you can just turn up on the day. Um, but also over the next two years we've decided to have a, a, a strong focus on our actual collection. So we're looking into issues of um, preservation and storage of our collection to make sure that we preserve the materials into the future. Um, you know, we need to uh, get some funds and get some more archival quality materials that we can actually store the, the items in, so boxes and folders and things like that, rather than just using regular, um, you know, regular folders or um, there's certain, you know, specific conservation materials that um, will make sure that the collection lasts a long time into the future. So for the next couple of years, we're designing a, a, a program of how we can go through our whole collection systematically and, and um, make sure it's conserved and protected and also to update our catalogue so that people can see exactly what we have and that they can access the, the full archive. So that's going to take a long time. Mm. We only have um, <laughs> like a, you know, a certain number of volunteers and, and um, hours to do it. So um, we're planning that will be at least a two-year job. Yeah, so a pretty mm. big project. Well, thanks, Caroline. We'll have to look out for um, up-and-coming events and thank you very much for your yeah, time definitely. this morning. You're welcome. Thanks very much. Cheers. So that was Caroline Phillips, who's the Secretary of the Women's Art Register. And I might play another track if I'm allowed. Go on. Allowed. Allowed? I just need some permission. Can you hit me up with like a um, like a female rapper, if, if that's okay? Yeah. What would you? Oh, um, you, you you go. Uh, well, let's look for a um. Oh. While we listen to some CSAs, because okay. yeah, we will fight over here. Okay. <laughs> Join the Palm Sunday Walk for Justice and add your voice to the call for change to refugee policy. Demand Australia's political leaders to abandon the current harsh and unjust policies and provide permanent protection for refugees. Stand with people from all over Melbourne. Demand the evacuation of Manus and Nauru and end the cruelty. Meet at the State Library of Victoria on the 25th of March at 1.30pm. Palm Sunday Walk for Justice is a 3CR supporter.
Marxism 18 is Australia's biggest radical left-wing conference, happening March 29th to April 1st in Melbourne. The conference will feature founding editor of Jacobin magazine, Bhaskar Sunkara, Australian writer Helen Razor, Palestinian activist Huwaida Araf, and films celebrating 50 years since the struggles of 1968. Join radicals and activists for political discussion in over 100 sessions across four days. Tickets start at $25 and are available at marxismconference.org. Red Flag Press is a 3CR supporter. I love that. We're ready on air. Let's do this. Um, so let's hear, a, let's hear a track from um, our favourite Another favorite because we have so many. Mm. Erica Badu with the song Soldier. Mm-mm-mm. Yes. So beautiful. She's ah, oh, she's amazing. That was if you're tuning in to Tuesday Breakfast, you're um, listening to myself, Ayan, George, and Lauren. Uh, the time is 7.55, and what is the weather? I don't know what the weather is. Ah, finally, oh. it actually is 14 degrees outside. Currently. Finally. Oh, yeah, yeah. with our <laughs> defunct 14-degree computer. <laughs> but I believe we will be hitting above 20 today. 21, maybe, in a possible shower? Yeah, Lovely. I like 21. 21, 21 is nice. Yep. It's mm-hmm. respectful. It's <laughs> it is respectful. It's decent. It just it's <laughs> whether you can plan for <laughs> Yeah. Your makeup's not going to spite off. No, it's not. Um, so, uh, what are we doing? So Alternative music yes. community now? Yeah. Oh, I'm easy. Shall we begin with old news? Yes. yes. Sure. sure. Some folks know about it, some don't. Love it. Such a cute. So last week on International Women's Day, there was a an amazing actually mm. while we're talking mm. about it broadcast here. Yeah, yeah, involved. it was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so much fun. Thursday breakfast. Um, uh, we're running the International Women's Day special, so mm. it happens every year. And I had the pleasure of doing it last year with Tuesday Breakfast. Um, this is before you ladies joined <laughs> us. So this this time around, it was Thursday Breakfast who um, organized a panel of amazing um, women from all different um, walks of life and occupations and, uh, and so on. So, um, so that was amazing. We had fun. Um, I was happy to assist. Yeah, you support. asked some really, really good questions. Yeah, I yeah was like, those are. Yeah. When you were talking, I was like, yes, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Please, like, I was live tweeting in this studio like, oh, my God, crying. I love it. I, mind mm. you, I have not seen Lauren in ages. I come to 3CR and she's just there chilling, eating her breakfast. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, girl. Beautiful community. But I um, highly recommend everybody listening back yep. to that broadcast. It's yes. incredible. Hopefully we can um, share it mm. online. Yeah, that would be great. We did just want to address one thing that happened mm-hmm. specifically. So, um the broadcast was was wonderful up until a certain time, um, and there was an incident um, of some trans exclusive um, feminism in quotation marks happening here. One of our colleagues um, was I, well, I wasn't here, but mm. I would say was attacked. Yeah, um, so uh, someone called in during another show. Um, 
Mind you, I won't say the colleague's name just yeah. because I don't know if she wants her name mm. to be put out there like that. Um, anywho, someone rang and um, uh, was saying how they were upset. So someone rang for another show that was right a few sorry shows after us, and they were saying that normally they enjoy listening to us and listening to the International Women's Day special, but this time they were upset because um, there was a, a, a trans guest, and she was like, "We, I didn't like where it was headed. It's a woman's show. Why are we including?" Anywho, just saying some horrific stuff. Um, then that was really like it, it was really horrible because. There, there wasn't any anyone there from the community who could, um, you know, a, a basically refute what she was saying, right? So, um, our colleague was in the building but wasn't in the in the room. Anyways, our colleague came in. Um, uh, so she was trying to educate the public and and perhaps have her say. And the idea was for her to have her say uninterrupted. Mm. That didn't turn out. Um, uh, someone else who was in this in the room um, kind of derailed the conversations and made it about language. So this person was sort of like, mm. "Oh, what's sis? What's what does that even mean?" And and so our colleague didn't have time, or their conversation got sort of um, derailed, and, mm. and, and 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 which was sad to see. And um, th- the way this situation was handled was it wasn't the greatest mm. and um it's just horrifying to see on that day when we're supposed to yeah, be embracing all types of yeah all all, all women um and it's meant to be happens. a safe space as well yeah yeah 3cr is meant to be a space where everyone feels welcome yeah. so th- the fact that that happened is really disappointing mm. yeah and we just we definitely don't think that 3cr stands for or the tuesday breakfast definitely doesn't Mm. um Mm. yeah yeah Yeah, i was having a conversation about what happened with a close friend of mine who's trans and she was saying that when it happens in an environment that you feel comfortable and safe it's particularly um it's particularly sad and it's particularly upsetting because that's a space that you feel like you can be yourself and Mm. you feel supported and when you get that kind of transphobia and that trans misogyny from people that claim to be feminists, it's also mm. deeply upsetting because that's also a group of people that you align yourself mm. with a little bit, you know, um, and there is definitely a connection between some feminists and um, and the trans community. Yeah. But And I think that's where, again, that kind of very distressing element comes into it. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I just can't imagine what it was like for, for our friend, but it was no one... No one deserves to be treated that way, and and even though we always like to say, oh, you know, everyone's different, just l- let bygones be bygones. But there's something about trans folks that really irks women, women who claim to be feminists. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it all comes down to the idea that uh, femininity is like repulsive, and trans folks have that they have the trans and they have the misogyny. Mm-hmm. So that's two. Yeah things that they have gone yeah. against them and and it's like that yeah often so that that turf that uh trans exclusionary radical feminism can you, ca- can you tell us do you know yeah so that? it's just that i guess there's um people f- that have come from that sort of second wave feminist radical feminist position have some quite reductive and essentialist ideas about 
uh, femininity and masculinity, and um, that's where that transphobia comes in, as you as you've mentioned. Um, and yeah, I think it's um, it's it's also tied in with uh, misogyny because sometimes that radical feminist position sees women who are rad femmes mm. are um, quite anti-femininity, and they see that as more socially constructed than masculinity or they see a lot of negatives in a feminine presentation and you can understand that everyone comes to feminism from a different experience and there are some women who have had femininity imposed on them and therefore feel like they want to reject it but then equally there are people that are fighting to have their gender identity recognized Um, and for trans people or trans femmes that come into that um, you know identity um, for them, it, it comes from a different place, and that's an exciting and amazing thing that um, to be able to be yourself. So I think that that kind of transmisogyny is just, it's not warranted. It doesn't make sense when you actually strip it down and look at the arguments. Mm. And it's really harmful, and it goes against, you know, some fundamental principles of feminism, which is about letting people do what they want with their body mm. um, and not to be judged by by someone who thinks that they... Mm-hmm. understand it better absolutely and there's all these discussions about um legitimacy like um being a legitimate woman and that kind of argument is such a slippery slope because mm. where because that's the same argument that they use on black people black people are not human therefore we can treat them the way like however we want to treat them and that's what happens when you don't see trans women as women then you alienate them from spaces. You prevent them from getting the medical treatment that some of them do desire. And um, so it's not just all name-calling. You're actually doing physical harm. Yes, that's exactly right. It goes so much um, further than just conversations and, you know, disagreements. It's actually about um, trans erasure and the impacts that that has on, like as you mentioned, like access to health services, um, treatment by police, treatment by um, other people in the community, access to housing, at all levels trans people... Shelters as well. Yeah, yeah at, at all levels trans people um, are being denied access to basic needs and services. And just when, yeah, when it comes back to these comments, it's just, it's part of this big, bigger picture and mm. it's really terrifying. Yeah, and, and we did in, invite... Um, our friend, because it, we, we believe it's important for um, people to tell their own stories. Um, and uh, because of the circumstances, um, she was unable to. But hopefully maybe that's a conversation that we can further explore mm-hmm. in the future with her. But, yeah, we just thought it was important to... To highlight that. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and show solidarity and be like, mm, not, not, not on our watch pretty much um the programmer who was uh hosting that show when this incident took took place um she did sort of shut that person down and try to give um uh, our colleague the opportunity to talk but i feel like the damage had already been done Mm. so that goes to my next question like how like what do we do Mm. do we do we kick the person out the person that's committing the trans um exclusionary it's so difficult because you know isn't there that kind of idea of like lean in like politics Mm. like do do, there are a lot of people that have transphobic transphobic views that perhaps haven't been questioned on it or haven't had Mm. an opportunity to hear um another side of the argument and maybe Mm. a part of it is 
you know, on in these spaces, you know, at 3CR, talking about um, trans right and trans activism and having trans people um, have this platform. Um, and maybe that's a part of that change. So, you know, kind of overcoming some of that really horror, you know. Mm. At the same time, though, um, I would hate to think that our friend or any other trans person would feel unsafe coming into 3CR yeah. um, because of what it is and what it represents. So, yeah, mm. I guess it's finding a balance and making sure that people are safe here and also are able to learn from each other. Yeah, that's true. And it's difficult mm. when, you know, I guess there is an overlap between everyone here at the station and listeners, but people do come from different you know, points of view yeah. and perspectives and it's and I guess that's the issue on International Women's Day when it is meant to be a day when there is a, a sort of solidarity around difference mm-hmm. but unfortunately um, there are it, ha- it just seems to happen every year mm. that there is something um, quite exclusionary that takes place whether it be at the rally or panel events or whatever mm. and there's still this issue of like bringing people together but then having kind of exclusionary politics play out and that being an ongoing challenge mm. when we have these sorts of events. Absolutely. Yeah. It's important. So we might take a short break and come back for some community announcements. Hi, I'm Maurice. And I'm Mario. And we're Chronically, Chronically Chilled. A program that aims to provide a platform to those living with chronic and invisible illness as well as exploring topics that impact on our daily lives. Listen to Chronically Chilled, the first Wednesday of every month at 6pm. you got to remember, Nanop's a special day for us, fellas. That's a reminder who we are. Every year for NAIDOC Week, 3CR Community Radio gives voice to our Indigenous brothers and sisters through Beyond the Bars, Australia's only live prison broadcast. I am... NAIDOC means a lot to me. It's um, about identity and also about past and present. NAIDOC means a lot to me for my family and my people. You can access audio from current and past Beyond the Bars broadcasts via the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars and either listen to or download audio from Australia's only live prison broadcasts. Happy night off. Genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing white fellas learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. So we might go into some community announcements. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast with myself, George and Ayan. Lauren's just headed off. So I've only got a couple, actually. The first one is uh, Paint the Town Refugee. It's organised by the Refugee Action Collective. I think it's their third event. Um, So they're covering Melbourne in posters, leaflets and stencils 
to build the Palm Sunday Walk for Justice for Refugees. Uh, so they're needing people uh, to leaflet at the station, um, po- put posters up at every billboard, cover the footpath and chalk stencils, and make hundreds of placards. And they will supply materials, but you can bring your own too if you like. And the other event is on... Oh, sorry, and that last event is March 19th from 5.30 to 7.30. And the other event I have is on the Rohingya Refugee Crisis on March 28th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., And I think it's a panel discussion that will discuss why is Australia still saying no. And it will be held at the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Federation, Vic Branch in Melbourne, also organised by the Refugee Action Collective. And I think, Ayan, do you have another? Yeah, so I have um, another event by um, Still Nomads. I'm just pulling it up. So I will try to fill in the dead air. Oh, and that's, it's, is it about the Fuji's? Yes! That's so cool. Yeah, no, it's going to be amazing. So Still Nomads is an African arts collective, um, uh, based in Nam, and they do some incredible work. They're really big on, um, celebrating blackness, but also cultivating community. Um, and that looks like, you know, organizing events where we're talking for ourselves, we're creating art, that necessarily isn't always about our identity, but it definitely includes um, people who look like us and making sure that, you know, um, there's a place for us to gather, to talk, to chill. Um, So this event is um, presented by the Arts House um, as part of the Festival of Live Art. So this event is celebrating the 22nd anniversary of one of hip-hop's all-time classic releases, the Fugees score. <laughs> yes. So um, Still Nomads Still Nomad is creating uh, an assembly of black artists to explore themes um, that, uh, sorry, that the Fugees score um, touched on, things like blackness, immigration, survival. So there's going to be a lot of amazing um, things happening there's um, projections, there's video and visual art, poetry, there's music and live performances. So it's going to be an amazing, amazing, amazing night. Um, it sounds, because I've always wondered like what, where the conversation around refugees comes into it with that album. And I think that they, got, like, they mentioned that they're going to touch on that. Yeah. Because so I've always wondered, like, what, why, what's the angle with... I think, see, the thing is, I have not listened to that. Like, I, I know a few songs from that yeah. album, but I'm definitely not qualified to um, so we'll have to go talk to the about event. the angle, <laughs> the, the, the immigration angle. Yeah. But all I know is that it definitely looks at that um, yeah. and explores that. Because I think one of the artists, I forgot his name, um, he's from Haiti. And right. he talks about... To, uh, talks about his own experiences yeah. coming to the US and so on. Okay, that makes um, sense. But yeah, so that is on the 17th of March. So it starts 17th of March and it ends 24th of March. Um, so it's this Saturday. It's at the art house. Um, it's, I think, $25. I'm not too sure. But I'm, what I'm doing right now is I'm sharing the page on our Tuesday breakfast um, page, so you guys can check it out. And if you've got that moolah, come through and, yeah, celebrate with um, black folks celebrating immigration and and just themselves. So, yeah, there's there's a lot happening, as usual, 
Melbourne. I can't keep up. I think I need a separate diary just to like <laughs> just for the events. All these events. Yeah. So many incredible things happening. Join the Palm Sunday Walk for Justice and add your voice to the call for change to refugee policy. Demand Australia's political leaders to abandon the current harsh and unjust policies and provide permanent protection for refugees. Stand with people from all over Melbourne. Demand the evacuation of Manus and Nauru and end the cruelty. Meet at the State Library of Victoria on the 25th of March at 1.30pm. Palm Sunday Walk for Justice is a 3CR supporter. From every corner of the land, womankind arise! Women on the Line, a current affairs program devoted to women's voices, covering a diversity of women's interests and hearing women's perspectives on current affairs. Erosion of human rights leads directly and inevitably to erosion of human security. We do not accept the denial of our rights because the right to have a say over our country is our life. Women on the Line. Tune in on Mondays at 8.30am and Wednesdays at 6am on 3CR Community Radio 855am and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. And we're back at Tuesday Brekkie. I think Ayan's going to play us some audio, uh, I think, from Janet Mock. Is that right? Yes. So it's an audio um, of uh, Janet Mock when she was when she was at the Melbourne Writers' Festival in 2017. It's a really short clip, but it's really important. So the title of the video is called Trans People Are Who They Say They Are. And let's listen to our homegirl. Growing up like I did, that they are capable of so much more than what our culture throws at them, those crumbs. And I was still conscious, though, and I was still cautious about being transparent, about a facet of my identity that was so stigmatized and delegitimized. I thought to myself at the time, I thought to myself at 22, Why would anyone want to attach themselves publicly to a group of people who are told that they're confused, who are told that they're an abomination, who are legally mandated not to use public restrooms or serve in the military, who in more than 30 states in the United States can still be legally fired and denied housing for being themselves, who like the hundreds of trans women of color around the globe are killed annually, are being hunted down to this day, for just being themselves. I felt and I learned and I believed that I was less than. I felt that my voice maybe wasn't worth hearing because I saw no one like me doing the work that I'm able to do now. Um, And eventually I came to a point where I realized that how people saw me had nothing to do with me, how people saw my community had nothing to do with me. It had to do with them and their limitations and basicness. Ultimately, I yearned to champion our freedom to define and declare who we are 
without rebuttal, without debate. Trans women are women, trans men are men, and trans people are exactly who they say they are. And you can talk about And that was the amazing Janet Mock um, talking about um, the trans community and believing them when they say that they're that they're women. And to be honest, it really makes no difference because if that's what they say, that's what they say. And um, everyone should be able to um, express themselves however they want to express themselves. And yeah, so. Um, we think it was important to share that video. Um, and also, have you read Janet Mock's autobiography? I haven't, actually. I'd love to. Yes. I, I think she's got... How many books does she have out of three? Uh, but I read the first one, and it was just... It was interesting just to see her development, um, her her political development, just the way she became so like the person that we see that mm. she is now just so radical and yeah the her experiences and i love that her um her politics is very much in, like really inclusive inclusive of class inclusive she talks about a lot of the girls that she when she was um uh, a sex worker a lot of the women who didn't make it or you know i love that she celebrates them and celebrates the way that they take something small and turn it into something huge right and I love that her politics is just so radical it's not just sort of like oh I made it I'm cool I'm the I'm the um I'm I'm different or I'm special I'm the chosen one no she still doesn't forget her sisters yeah yeah so um that's why I like her and she's gorgeous as well yeah she's pretty inspiring she really is um, so did you, did you want to touch on... Yeah, I just wanted to maybe jump off from, um, from this, sort of this conversation, um, just to mention, uh, some stats and, inf- and info, but sort of particularly concerning trans people in prison, um, worldwide at the moment. Uh, internationally, trans women are facing extremely high rates of incarceration, um, particularly trans women of colour, and a joint study in the US conducted by the National Centre for Transgender Equality and the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force has found that 21% of all trans women and 46% of black trans women have been incarcerated at some point in their lives, this is in the US, compared to 5% from the general population. So it's huge. Um, Mm. It's a huge difference. And you know, just in terms of police profiling and and all of these things. We also know that in the US, eight trans people have been murdered this year alone. Um, and in Australia, it's, you know, it's also quite, um, quite a, a sad story in terms of what's going on. And I was just trying to read, I was doing a bit of research in the last few days on the different laws in terms of trans people in incarceration. And I believe in New South Wales and Victoria, Trans prisoners are typically placed in facilities that align with their gender identity, but mm. this is not the case in Queensland and Western Australia. I'm not quite sure. It's a state-by-state um, yeah. rule, but uh, we know what's been going on with CJ Palmer, who has been held already for over 300 days in a male prison. She's a trans woman, um, a sex worker, who uh, has been accused of gri- uh, grievous bodily harm and contracting um, someone with HIV. Um, 
and she's being held in a male prison with a sentence of six years. Mm. It's just, it is a human rights violation, and I don't think we're speaking about this issue enough. And when you look at the international context, it's just, it's happening all over the world. And mm. I, I just want to mention a quote by a uh, writer, Alison Gallagher, who reported on Junkie that ultimately the incarceration of trans people like C.J. Palmer in men's prisons must be uh, an immediate feminist issue. It's a gross miscarriage of justice to subject trans people to conditions in a prison that do not align with their gender identity. Mm-mm-mm. And and hopefully that's what we can see. Hopefully the um, the organisations that have taken on that mantle of being like a feminist organisation or whatever you want to call it, or the so-called feminist leaders. I, I that term just feels so <laughs> gross. But, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I wish I wish we hear more. I wish we hear about them. I wish we hear more about this issue. And I wish they um, take it on. And because. It's important. Like you can't. That's the that's the problem with feminism, and that's what we talked about at International Women's Day. That it has to include everybody. You can't be cherry picking who's a feminist and and you know because we're Absolutely. we're really all in this struggle. Like we're all sisters at the end of the day, and um, yeah. So like it, it's just on a human level. Like forget about politics. On a decency level. Like, how do you stand around? How do you, like, stand around when another sister is suffering? Yeah. I think Angela Davis, uh, I was watching a talk with her once, and she said this amazing thing that, you know, what what we need or what the feminist movement needs is people that are on the fringes or people that have been marginal- marginalised. They should be at the centre of the movement. Yes. Um, and that's, you know, I think when we think of people like Janet Mock, it's these people that, like... They're saying the most interesting stuff at the moment. They are the most kind of at the forefront. They know what's going on. Mm. They're speaking for people that, um, or speaking with people that, you know, are conversations that we need to be having. And they're the people that should be at the centre. Exactly. And um, on that note, I picked a song that I feel like will, um, you know, <laughs> add, add maybe a contribution to what we've been discussing throughout the show. And it's by another favourite. I love it. I call everybody favourites, <laughs> to be honest. Um, her name is Indiari with the song Ooh. Video. <laughs> Queen. <laughs> yes. God, I love that song so, so, so much. My God, takes me back to when I was in year nine. I was going through. Year nine. Yeah, girl, year nine. Oh my God. <laughs> is this one of those? Because everyone has music from their childhood yeah. that kind of like... it. It, it's sort of like a transformative moment for them and they remember it? Yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't say transformative, but it was very, like, a painful time in my life and this song got me through. Yeah. My mum liked this song as well, so I knew. I was like, maybe, I don't know, if mum likes it, then... But anyways, I was going through <laughs> I was having, like, really... Um, I was feeling some type of way, wasn't really feeling myself. Yeah, and, yeah, and nine, yeah, and such a pivotal, like, it's 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 in the middle of your adolescence where you're sort of just kind of thinking about the way you look and others are telling you how you look and yeah. others are like judging you so when this song came through and to see a dark-skinned black woman singing a song about loving yourself and that line about you know not having to shave your legs and and not having to look like the girls in the video right so I yeah. was like yes so that that's was, so cool yeah it's such a good song so <laughs> was, so that was video um, by Indiari. I wish she released more songs. I don't know what happened to her. She's not still around? Um, she is, but I don't know if she has the same 
like if she's as exposed as as she used to be because there was a time when she was just everywhere yeah her songs are so positive and it's nice her songs are all about acceptance and we need more women like her out there well for me someone who looks like me and and who's talking about loving yourself so yes i thought that would tie nicely to everything that we've been discussing and we always discuss um i think that we're almost yes we're We're out out. we're out (laughs) We'll, we'll, we'll see you next week thanks for listening